ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله <تصفيق> So in the last lesson, we were talking about the book of Imam al-Bukhari, Sahih al-Bukhari, and we were talking about the author himself, al-Imam al-Bukhari. Carrying on from that then, there were still a few points left regarding Sahih al-Bukhari. The section we got to now was the condition of al-Imam al-Bukhari in his book. Meaning, how did he decide which hadith are strong and authentic and good to put into his book and which ones he wouldn't? What were his conditions that he stipulated in choosing those narrations? Sharp al Imam al Bukhari fi Sahihah. قال الحافظ ابن طاهر اعلم أن البخاري ومسلم ومن ذكرنا بعدهم أهل السنن لم ينقل عن أحد منهم أنه قال شرطت أن أخرج في كتابي ما يكون على شرط الفلاني وإنما يعرف ذلك من سبر كتبهم فيعلم بذلك شرط كل رجل منهم. Something which has to be understood is that when we are trying to work out the conditions that Imam al-Bukhari or other scholars stipulated in choosing narrations, there is no actual document from Imam al-Bukhari highlighting his conditions anywhere. There is no actual document where he wrote down, these are my conditions and this is how I select the narrations. It's not like that. Rather, the way we discover and understand what are the conditions and how did they decide what narrations to take and what not to take, is through analyzing the book itself. Through analyzing Sahih al-Bukhari, analyzing the chains of narration, analyzing what he's put into the book, then from that analysis we can determine, we can work out what his condition is. Because it will be clear what the constants are, what conditions are applicable everywhere. So you can infer those conditions, you can work them out and you can extract them by analyzing the books. And that's how it is. By analyzing these books, we are able to uh, work out what the stipulations and the conditions of Al-Imam Al-Bukhari, for example, were in his book. Because Al-Imam al-Bukhari didn't begin with any introduction where he explained it all. So it requires analysis of the book to determine uh, what those conditions were. 
ثم قال فاعلم أن شرط البخاري ومسلم أن يخرج الحديث المتفق على ثقة على ثقة نقلته إلى الصحابي المشهور من غير اختلاف بين الثقات الأثبات ويكون إسناده متصلا غير مقطوع The condition that Imam al-Bukhari and Imam Muslim had is that they would uh, report a hadith, that they would mention a hadith that was agreed upon in terms of the reliability and the trustworthiness of the narrators all the way up to the the famous companion, without any difference on those authentic, reliable narrators. That they would only take the hadith, where the chains of narration in those hadith had only reliable, trustworthy narrators in them. All the way up to the famous companion then, narrating that narration from the Prophet wasallam. They would only take the hadith with the reliable and uh, authentic narrators in that chain all the way up. Without there being any difference of opinion. If there were narrators that were differed over, some said okay, some not, some accused them of things, some accused them of this and that. Those types of narrators, then they would not be taken typically. They would go with the narrators that were not differed over. They were known as reliable, authentic narrators. And of course, the condition that the chain must be connected all the way up. There cannot be any gaps. It can't be that A narrated from B, narrated from C, narrated from E. Then where has D gone in that chain of narration? They wouldn't do it like that. They would want connection all the way, A, B, C, D, all the way up to the companion, connected throughout to the top. إِلَّا أَنَّ مُسْلِمًا أَخْرَجَ أَحَدِيثَ أَقْوَامْ تَرَكَ الْبُخَارِيُّ حَدِيثَهُمْ لِشُبْهَةٍ وَقَعَتْ فِي نَفْسِهِ so both of them, Al-Imam Al-Bukhari and Al-Imam Muslim have that strict condition of only taking the top level narrators authentic, reliable. But Al-Imam Muslim did narrate from some narrators that Al-Imam Al-Bukhari refused to take. There are some examples of an Imam Muslim taking narrations from some of the ruwat that Al Imam Al Bukhari did not take from. Akhraja Muslim ahaditham bi izalati shubha. Al Imam Muslim narrated their narrations, and whatever doubt there may have been, Al Imam Muslim analyzed and worked out that the doubt was not something uh, established or something of impact. And so he took their narrations. For example, Middle Hamad ibn Salama, Suhail ibn Abi Salih, Dawood ibn Abi Hind, 
أبو الزبير المكي العلاء بن عبد الرحمن وغيرهم and other than them وقال الحازمي ومذهب من يخرج الصحيح أن يعتبر حال الراوي العدل في مشايخه العدول وفي من روى عنهم وهم ثقات أيضا وحديثه عن بعضهم صحيح ثابت يلزم إخراجه وعن بعضهم مدخول لا يصلح إخراجه إلا في الشواهد والمتابعات ثم ضرب لذلك مثلا بالإمام الزهر وطبقات الرواة عنه Basically then in reference to the narrators and the authenticity of the, the narrators uh, and their reliability Al-Imam Al-Bukhari, his overall conditions that he stipulated are the same conditions that you find in the books of Mustalah Al-Hadith, Mustalahat, the conditions for the Sahih Hadith. The conditions that are mentioned for an authentic narration, what determines that? Those are the same conditions Al-Imam Al-Bukhari used but he did add a couple of extras on. A couple of extras on to the typical conditions that are required or mentioned by the scholars for a hadith to be sahih. He added a couple extra on top of those typical conditions. And the extras that he added... أَنْ يَكُونَ الرَّاوِي مُتَّفَقٌ عَلَى تَوْثِيقِهِ That the narrators have to be of a level whereby it is consensus, agreed upon their authenticity, their reliability, their trustworthiness. Agreed upon them. The second condition that he also mentioned, اِشْتِرَاطُ اللُّقْيَا he had the condition like we mentioned that each narrator must have met. There has to be proof of that narrator having met the one who he took that narration from. There has to be proof that he met that shaykh even if just the once somewhere but that he wanted evidence of their meeting. Al-Imam Muslim did not specify that condition. He did not specify the condition that I need to see the evidence of where they met. If he is trustworthy, reliable, authentic, and he says he took the narration of another narrator who is trustworthy, reliable, authentic, Al-Imam Muslim says that's okay. But Al-Imam Al-Bukhari says as an extra level of security, as we mentioned last time in that wording, that he wants to see the evidence of where that narrator met the shaykh that he narrates from. Then, the next subsection, عِنَايَةُ الْعُلَمَ بِصَحِيحِ الْبُخَارِ Oh, by the way, before going to that, because of that condition there, those extra conditions, that's why Sahih al-Bukhari is considered higher level than Sahih Muslim. 
because of this extra strict condition there in establishing the authentic narrations. Then we come to this next section, Inayatul Ulama bi Sahih al-Bukhari, how the scholars have given importance to Sahih al-Bukhari, what the scholars have done with Sahih al-Bukhari over time, different explanations, different additions, and various types of work the scholars have done around Sahih al-Bukhari over the years. What is that work and what have they done? That's what we'll see here now in this section. لَيْسَ مِنَ الْمُبَالَغَةِ فِي شَيْءٍ إِذَا قُلْنَا إِنَّ الْمُسْلِمِينَ عَلَى اخْتِلَافِ طَبَقَاتِهِمْ وَتَبَايُنِ مَذَاهِبِهِمْ لَمْ يَعْنُوا بِكِتَابَ بَعْدَ كِتَابِ اللَّهِ عِنَايَتَهُمْ بِصَحِيحِ الْبُخَارِ It would not be exaggeration to say, it would not be exaggeration to say that the scholars throughout history, throughout the different madhahib that they might be on, that the scholars overall have given the most attention to this book after the Qur'an of course. After the Qur'an, after the book of Allah, there is no other book that has been given so much attention, so much work done on it, so much focus on it, than Sahih al-Bukhari. That is perhaps the most focused on and the book with the most attention given to it uh, from the books written by the scholars. مِنْ حَيْثُ السَّمَاعِ وَالْرِوَايَةِ وَالضَّبْطِ وَالْكِتَابَةِ How so? In terms of the actual narration of it. To this day, to this day there are people who narrate Sahih al-Bukhari with a chain of narration. So to this day there are people who can say that he heard the hadith of Sahih al-Bukhari from his sheikh. And his sheikh had heard it all from his sheikh. And his sheikh had heard it all from his sheikh. And carry on and carry on and carry on until you get to a sheikh who had heard it all from Al-Bukhari himself. All from the students of Al-Bukhari and then to Al-Bukhari. And then from Al-Bukhari it goes up to the Prophet So the chain of narration exists to this day. The chain of narration exists to this day. And when we were in Medina, there, was, there were people who have that chain of narration and they would uh, recite. So for example, there would be a sitting and one of these uh, uh, students who has that chain of narration going all the way connected to Imam al-Bukhari, he would sit there and for example read the hadith. So when he reads that hadith out to you from Sahih al-Bukhari, and you hear it from him, you have now heard that hadith from him, he had heard it from his sheikh, who had heard it from his sheikh, going all the way up, who had heard it from al-Imam al-Bukhari. You've now heard the hadith directly in a chain of verbally hearing it all. Scholars gave importance to that. And that's why the chains of narration have been maintained. To this day there are people who have those chains of narration. 
So scholars gave importance to that, listening to those hadith, narrating those hadith, keeping that uh, a chain of hearing those narrations, because that is something of importance, to know that the chain exists on the book as well, to know that it's something memorized and passed on, as well as obviously having it all in the written form as well now. Also in terms of الضبط, scholars gave importance to Sahih al-Bukhari in checking the hadith and making sure all the letters are accurate. Every word, every letter is exactly as it's supposed to be. There's no mistakes in there. There's no wrong words or letters or, or some uh, typos, that type of thing we say these days. Scholars have given importance to checking all of the book throughout the times, throughout the years, editing, not editing, but checking carefully, analyzing carefully to make sure that all the words are precisely written as they should be, exactly as the hadith should be. They've given importance to checking all of that, making sure that it's perfect and accurate as possible it can be. On top of that, شَرْحُ أَحَدِيثِهِ وَتَرَاجِمْ رِجَالِهِ Scholars have given importance to Sahih al-Bukhari by giving explanations of it. There are many explanations that have been written on Sahih al-Bukhari. Many explanations written on the full Sahih al-Bukhari. Some of them on some of the hadith of Sahih al-Bukhari. And the most famous of those explanations is more than likely the one that most people have heard of. Which explanation of Sahih al-Bukhari? The famous one most people have heard of. Fathul Bari. The one known as Fathul Bari by Al-Hafiz ibn Hajar al-Asqalani. Famous book Fathul Bari. And when Al-Hafiz ibn Hajar Al-Asqalani, he wrote the explanation of Sahih al-Bukhari. He went through the book, went through al-Bukhari, one by one, all of the hadith, and wrote the explanations. One by one, going through it all, writing down the explanation. Until he got to the end of al-Bukhari. But then when he got to the end... He went back to the beginning and checked again. Were there any extra points of explanation? Checked again. Any extra points he noted? Wrote them down. In this hadith, he remembers an extra point, writes it down. That hadith he notices an extra benefit, writes it down. And he went through the whole book again. So now he's been through the book twice. Then he went back to the beginning again. Began through it all again, noticing some new point there, some new point there, adding to his explanation. He did that how many times? How many times did Al-Hafid ibn Hajar go through it to the end, and then come back and start again, and keep adding the new points of explanation onto it? It is mentioned that he read Sahih al-Bukhari, beginning to end 13 times. And every time, he would add new benefits that he came across into his explanation. Until he did that 12 times, and on the 13th time he went through it, he didn't find 
anything new. So 12 times, even on the 12th time, when he went through it, there were new points he picked out and he wrote in the explanation. On the 13th time when he went through, this time he didn't find anything new. 12 times going through it, adding, adding, adding more explanation until the final version was done. On the 13th time it mentions he didn't find anything new. And so that was then the explanation of Sahih al-Bukhari by Al-Hafid ibn Hajar, Fathul Bari. And there are many other explanations too. We're going to mention some of them shortly. وَاخْتِصَارُهُ وَتَجْرِيدْ أَسَانِيدِهِ مِنْ عِنَايَتِهِمْ Also from the work and the effort the scholars put into Sahih al-Bukhari. And this is something common in other books too. Is summary. The summarization. There are summarized versions of Sahih al-Bukhari. Some of the scholars went through it all and summarized some of the key points. That is also something very beneficial and the scholars, they do that a lot. That you come across a book and they will go through it and summarize it to give you the key points and the main benefits and the main sections into a summarized version rather than a huge original version. That is something commonly done. That you come across a book and you come across summaries, the mukhtasarat, the summaries of that particular book. So there's been summaries that have been done of Sahih al-Bukhari. There has been books written, there have been books written on the chains of narration of Imam al-Bukhari. Talking about the chains of narration, the narrators, etc., putting them all independently separate, easily accessible. Work has been done on that side of things too. So there's a lot of work that has been done on Sahih al-Bukhari throughout time. If you now have a copy of Sahih al-Bukhari, then you will have shelves and shelves worth of other books that are all connected to Sahih al-Bukhari. Shelves and shelves of books, explanations and summaries and this and that, multiple books you'll end up with, all of them just for Sahih al-Bukhari. And the same with other books too. Sahih Muslim, when we get to it, same thing. You have a copy of Sahih Muslim, <coughs> you'll have shelves and shelves of other books that are all connected to Sahih Muslim. Because that is the effort the scholars put into that book afterwards in uh, uh, benefiting the people. قال الحافظ نعم قال ومن رواه الجامع أيضا أبو طلحة منصور بن محمد بن علي بن قريبة البزدوي وإبراهيم بن معاقل النسفي وحماد بن شاكر الفسوي والرواية التي اتصلت بالسماع في هذه الأعصار وما قبلها هي رواية محمد بن يوسف بن مطر بن صالح بن بشر الفربري This is just some of the chains of narration that still exist and those versions that are still available and present amongst the people هذا بنسبة لروايته وسماعه وأما شروحه والتعليق عليه ونحوه فقد قام به العلماء قديما وحديثا حق القيام بحيث لم يدعوا لم يدعوا أمرا يرتبط به إلا بحثوه وتعرضوا له ولا مشكلا من ألفاظه وأسمائه وتراجمه إلا بينوه وأذهبوا الشبه 
anhu. Scholars throughout time have given explanations on Al-Bukhari, anything complicated in there, any confusion in there, they've written books clarifying it all. If there was perhaps confusion on a particular narrator, maybe his name is very similar to another narrator who was weak. So they've gone through and they've clarified everything. Clarified all the points on the narrations, the words, the meanings of hadith. They've put all of that effort into making that clear and to therefore remove any doubts people may bring up regarding Bukhari. وَقَدْ بَلَغَتْ شُرُوحُهُ الْمَخْطُوطَ وَالْمَطْبُوعَةِ We were talking about if you have Al-Bukhari, you're going to have shelves and shelves worth of other books to go alongside Sahih Al-Bukhari. How many explanations of Al-Bukhari have actually been written? How many explanations have been written on Sahih Al-Bukhari? Anybody? We've mentioned one, Fath al-Bari, of Al-Hafad ibn Hajar. How many others? Number, a figure. Ten? Ten explanations of Sahih al-Bukhari. I think that's more. More, how many? Give us a figure. That's a, a nothing answer then. <laughs> the question is, give us a figure. You can't say there's more, but I don't know. Then you don't know an answer. Anybody else? 20. 50. 50. MashaAllah, 50. 5 0. MashaAllah. Anybody more than 50? Or he's the biggest one? 100. He's bigger than you. 100. So look. 1,000. 1,000, MashaAllah. The explanations, the shuruhat, the shuruhat, al-makhtuta wal-matbu'ah. Whether they've been printed or they only exist as manuscripts. You know, because not all books have been printed. There are books that the scholars wrote and the original manuscripts of where the scholars wrote those books haven't been printed into proper books like this yet. They are still just manuscripts there including those manuscript explanations as well that haven't been printed into books. Sometimes they haven't been printed into books because they've been lost. But then how do we know they even existed if they've been lost? There's more copies from others. They've all been lost. So how do we know? It's not, it's not. How, what? Other explanations quote Because there are some explanations that quote in there that I read this benefit or this benefit is taken from the explanation of such and such a scholar. So we know such and such a scholar had written an explanation on Sahih al-Bukhari. But maybe we search everywhere, we can't find the manuscript anywhere, lost. But we know that scholar had an explanation of al-Bukhari because other scholars are quoting it in their books. So altogether, manuscripts, lost, available, printed, there are 71 explanations of Al-Bukhari. Ihda wa sab'ina sharhan hasab ihsa al-ustaz Abdul Ghani ibn Abdul Khaliq. One of the uh, teachers, he examined, obviously this is something you have to go and research and check. Uh, and you may not find all of them yourself. But one of the researchers, when he researched into it, he found 71 explanations of that book. 71 explanations of Sahih al-Bukhari. 
That is explanations, shuruhat. As for annotations, some of the scholars didn't give full explanations of Al-Bukhari, they just added a couple of points of benefit here, a couple of points of benefit there. Uh, and some of them who summarized it, like we said, those additional benefits and summaries, how many of those books exist? Four, uh, 44. There are 44 that were found of the taliqat of some annotations and additions and summaries made, approximately 44. But of course these figures, it depends on the researcher. That is one researcher who found 71 explanations and 44 other additional uh, uh, supplementary books that go with Sahih al-Bukhari. Now then, what are the most uh, recognized and valuable, the ones with the greatest benefit in them from the explanations that are printed and available? Not from the manuscripts. From the explanations that are printed and are available, which ones are the main ones? So, we'll give a list of a few here now. Aham Shuruh al-Bukhari al-Matbu'ah. From the most uh, uh, valuable and the ones recognized and known, one is known as A'lam As-Sunan. A'lam As-Sunan. Lil-Khattabi. Abu Sulaiman, Hamad ibn Muhammad al-Busti. Tufiya 388 Hijri. 388 Hijri. Al-Khattabi, Abu Sulaiman, Hamad ibn Muhammad al-Busti. He wrote one called A'lam As-Sunan. وَهُوَ شَرْحْ لِبَعْضِ أَحَدِيثِ الصَّحِيحِ وَلَيْسَ كُلَّهَا His explanation is an explanation of some of the narrations of Al-Bukhari, not all of them. وَطُبِعَ بِسْمُ أَعْلَام الْحَدِيثِ And that book is printed under the title أعلام الحديث. And that is available, printed by uh, the university in Mecca, Ummul Qura, under their publishing house. It's printed and available. Min matbu'at, jami'at, Ummul Qura, bi Mecca. Another one then. Al-Kawakib al-Darari fi sharh sahih al-Bukhari. This is something you'll notice as well. In Arabic, the titles are excellent. In English, miskin, you can't do anything. If you try to translate this title into English, it sounds like nothing. But in Arabic, the titles are excellent. Here, Al-Kawakibu al-Darari fi sharh sahih al-Bukhari lil-hafiz Shamsuddin Muhammad ibn Yusuf al-Ma'roof bil-Karmani. He died in the year 786 Hijri. 786 Hijri. Al-Kawakib al-Darari fi sharh sahih al-Bukhari. Al-Hafiz Shamsuddin Muhammad ibn Yusuf. Then also we have Fath al-Bari sharh sahih al-Bukhari by Ibn Rajab. Another one. There is another one by Ibn Rajab al-Hanbali, 
also known as Fath al-Bari. Fath al-Bari, Sharh Sahih al-Bukhari of Ibn Rajab al-Hanbali who died in 795 Hijri. Wahua Naqs. That is incomplete. The full version isn't there, it is incomplete, but a large section of it is there and available, the explanation of Al-Hafiz ibn Rajab al-Hanbali. Then we have Fath al-Bari bisharh Sahih al-Bukhari of Al-Hafiz ibn Hajar who died in 852 Hijri. Died in 852 Hijri. وَهُوَ أَهَمْ شُرُوحِهِ وَأَجْوَدِهَا that is from the best and the most important of the explanations uh, regarding it. وَصَدَقَ فِيهِ قَوْلُ الشَّيْخَ الشَّوْكَانِ لَا هِجْرَةَ بَعْدَ الْفَتْحِ You know the hadith, when Mecca was conquered, when Mecca was conquered and opened up by the Muslims in the year 8 Hijri, فتح مكة, in the year 8 Hijri, then after that, there was no need for the Muslims to make hijrah from Mecca and go to Medina because now the Muslims have conquered Mecca. So, la hijrata ba'da al-fath, fath Mecca. So then he said here about fath al-bari, la hijrata ba'da al-fath. Meaning once you have the explanation of al-Hafidh ibn Hajar, you don't need to go anywhere else to any other explanation. Yikfi, this explanation of al-Imam Hafidh ibn Hajar. Then also we have, also we have, Umdatul Qari. Umdatul Qari, and who is that by? Al Aini. That is by him, Umdatul Qari, Badruddin Abu Muhammad, Mahmoud ibn Ahmed al Hanafi, al Shahir bil Aini. Also we have, Irshadul Sari. And he died, by the way, he died 855 Hijri. Then we have Irshad al-Sari. Irshad al-Sari. And who is that by? Al-Qistallani. Irshad al-Sari. Shahabuddin Ahmed ibn Muhammad al-Ma'roof bil-Qistallani. 923 Hijri, he died. Also we have... Faydul Bari, Faydul Bari, explanation of Sahih al-Bukhari, by a Shaykh Muhammad Anwar al-Kashmiri, al-Hanafi, died in 1352 Hijri, very recent, 1352 Hijri, Faydul Bari, of a Shaykh Muhammad Anwar al-Kashmiri, al-Hanafi. So they are some examples of the main explanations of Sahih al-Bukhari. أَمَّا الْعِنَايَةُ بِرِجَالِهِ Those were all books about Sahih al-Bukhari in terms of explaining it and summarizing it and the hadith in it. What about the actual chains of narration and the narrators? There are books written on that field, on that aspect about the narrators. أَمَّا الْعِنَايَةُ بِرِجَالِهِ فَقَدْ بَدَأَ ذَلِكَ مُبَكِّرًا حَيْثُ أَلَّفَ الْحَافِظْ أَبُوْ أَحْمَدْ عَبْدَ اللَّهِ بِنْ عَدِي كِتَابًا سَمَّاهُ مَنْ رَوَى عَنْهُ الْبُخَارِ ثُمَّ تَتَابَعَ التَّأْلِيفِ ذَلِكَ The actual chains of narration and the men, the narrators, 
in those chains in Al-Bukhari, works written about them and analyzing them, that began from a very early time. One of the first ones, or the first one, was written by uh, Al-Hafiz Abu Ahmed Abdullah ibn Adi, died in 365 Hijri, a book by the name of Man Rawa Anhu Al-Bukhari. Those whom Al-Bukhari narrated from. Those whom Al-Bukhari narrated from. So he analyzes those narrators. Then there have been many other books written on this as well. Al-Hidayah wal-Irshad li-Abi Nasr Ahmed ibn Muhammad al-Kullabadi died in 398 Hijri. Uh, also you have for example Al-Ta'deel wal-Tajrih li-man akhraja lahu al-Bukhari fi sahih li-Abi al-Walid Sulaiman ibn Khalaf al-Baji died in 474 Hijri. Similarly you have الجمع بين رجال الصحيحين لأبي الفضل محمد بن طاهر المقدسي died in 507 Hijri and that is both the narrators of Al-Bukhari and Muslim in that book ثم ظهرت بعد ذلك الكتب التي تعني برجال الأئمة الستة جميعا later on some of the scholars even wrote books about the narrators not just of Al-Bukhari or Muslim but of Al-Bukhari and Muslim and Abu Dawud and Nasa'i and Tirmidhi ibn Majah, all six books, all of their narrators. They wrote books about the narrators of all six of those famous books. And one of the best or one of the famous ones is the book known as Al-Kamal Fi Asma'ir Rijal by Abdul Ghani Al-Maqdisi Al-Kamal Fi Asma'il Rijal He died in 600 Hijri And then there is Tahzibul Kamal Fi Asma'il Rijal And that is by Al-Hafiz Al-Mizzi Who died in 742 Hijri And then after that many others They were done too The final section here The last section regarding Sahih Al-Bukhari عدد أحاديث صحيح البخاري. How many hadith are there in صحيح البخاري? So how many narrations are there in صحيح البخاري? Seven thousand exactly on the dot. Huh? Four thousand. That's a big difference. Approximately seven thousand. Approximately four thousand. Difference of 3,000 there. Looks like approximately 4,000 is coming from Google. <laughs> Anything else? Does it depend on the publishing as well? No, that's not really what we're talking about here, the publishing and the prints, but from the asal, the narrations. Both of you have a point. 7,000, 4,000, both of you have a point. But how? 3,000 difference. We'll have a look. قال الحافظ أبو عمر عثمان ابن الصلاح وجملة ما في صحيح البخاري سبعة آلاف ومئتان وخمسة وسبعون حديثا بالأحاديث المكررة He said that all of the narrations that are in there are 7,275 That's with the repetitions 
Because some of the hadith are mentioned more than once in Al-Bukhari. Because sometimes Al-Imam Al-Bukhari may use the hadith in a particular chapter for a particular reason for that topic in that chapter. But later on in another chapter, a different topic, the same hadith can be used. Maybe there's a different part of it that gives you an evidence for that topic. So then the same hadith is used in that topic, in that chapter. So there are two different places where it's actually really the same hadith. But are they considered as one here or one there? Each one gets a number. If you give each one a number and you add everything up with all of the repeats, then it comes to 7,275. But if you take out the repeated ones and only count them once, then it's approximately 4,000. Then it's approximately 4,000. إِلَّا أَنَّ هَذِهِ الْعِبَارَةِ قَدْ يَنْدَرِجْ تَحْتَهَا عِنْدَهُمْ آثَارُ الصَّحَابَ وَالتَّبِعِينَ But these figures that they give, they may well include within that the narrations of the Sahaba and the Tabi'een. It may not necessarily be strictly hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. وَرُبَّمَا عَدَّ الْحَدِيثَ الْوَاحِدَ الْمَرْوِيْ بِالْإِسْنَادَيْنِ حَدِيثَيْنِ Another issue as well is, you may have a hadith with a particular wording. But it has two different chains of narration. Person A narrated from person B, from person C, from person D, that hadith. But the same hadith is narrated by person H, from person G, L, K, M, X, some other chain of narration, to the same hadith. So is that considered as two hadith? Or is it one because it's the same hadith? Is that two or is that one hadith? Two hadith. Depends. So some may consider that as two hadith because they are two independent chains of narration. But others may count that as just one because at the end it's the same hadith. So that can sometimes impact upon narrations, though upon numbers of hadith. If you count the two chains of narration as just one then obviously your final number is going to be a lot less than if you compare or, or count each chain of narration as an independent hadith. وَقَالَ الْحَافِظُ أَبُوا الْفَضْلُ شِهَابُ الدِّينِ بْنُ حَجَرُ فَجَمِيعُ مَا فِي صَحِحِ الْبُخَارِ مِنَ الْمُتُونِ الْمَوْصُولَةِ بِلَا تَكْرِيرِ عَلَى التَّحْرِيرِ أَلْفَا حَدِيثٍ وَسِتْمِئَةٍ حَدِيثٍ وَحَدِيثًا Al-Hafidh ibn Hajar said, when you absolutely take it right down to the bottom figure, take all the repeats out, take all of the, everything out to the bottom line, no repeats, no nothing, he says you end up with 2,602. 2,602. من الجامع مئة وتسعة وخمسون حديثا 159 of the معلقات and maybe we'll discuss those later on فجميع ذلك ألف حديث وسبعمائة وواحد وستون حديثا so then when you add all of that up it gets to 2761 وبين هذا العدد الذي حررته 
وبين هذا العدد الذي حررته والعدد الذي ذكره ابن الصلاح وغيره تفاوت كثير وما عرفت من أين أتى الوهم في ذلك ثم تأولته على أنه يحتمل أن يكون العد الأول الذي قلدوه في ذلك كان إذا رأى الحديث مطولا في موضع ومختصرا في موضع آخر يظن أن المختصر غير المطول إما لبعد العهد به أو لقلة المعرفة بالصناعة ففي الكتاب من هذا النمط شيء كثير وحينئذ يتبين سبب في تفاوت ما بين العددين والله موفق He says 2761 Compare that to 4000 Still a big difference compared to the other figures He says maybe the reason is because sometimes Al-Imam Al-Bukhari In a given chapter He's talking about one of the names or attributes of Allah Quotes the hadith in there A particular hadith And maybe he only quotes the first half of the hadith there Or the first three quarters of the hadith there Because that is the section needed For the evidence on that point In another chapter somewhere he's talking about some other point And that last bit of the hadith that he hadn't quoted here Actually is relevant over there So the last section which wasn't even mentioned here He mentions it there So maybe somebody comes along and thinks these are two completely different narrations. They don't even overlap. But they don't realize actually all of those are one long hadith together. Because in one place it looks like a big long hadith. And in the other place only a section, a small bit. And they don't realize that was actually just a small section of the longer hadith in the other place. So maybe they count that as a separate one when it's actually the same one. So there could be reasons like that why there are differences in the figures and in the numbers uh, 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 between the scholars and what they have mentioned. But that is just an overview of what some of the scholars have said regarding it. That is where we'll round off today then. And inshallah ta'ala next week we begin with Sahih Muslim. A biography of who Al-Imam Muslim was and then a background about Sahih Muslim. And then after that, we move on to the Kutubu As-Sunan. Uh, Abu Dawud and Nasa'i, Tirmidhi and Ibn Majah, insha'Allah ta'ala. So that is where we'll round off on today then. Wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Any questions or anything else to add? Yeah, there's, a, there's a different number of uh, hadith uh, as, as we were just discussing. Uh, there's a Yeah, references they can differ. That just depends on how people publish the books. References can be different. <coughs> With references, that's why a student of knowledge, as a student of knowledge, those who are collecting the books and getting the relevant books needed for studying and learning, not just collecting them for decoration and making the library look big, that is useless. As Shaykh Al-Fawzan said, then you are like the example of the donkey that carries the books on its back. But the ones who buy the books, they need them to study, to research, to look into. They're buying the books to benefit from. Then you have to buy specific prints. Specific prints. Like this book, for example, now I could say to you that on page 145 it says X, Y, and Z and quote something to you. In another print by some other publishing company, that quote is on page 162. Because of the way they printed it and the size of their text and the way, you know, different page size and everything. 
So how are you going to know when scholars say in such and such a book on page such and such, hadith number such and such, you have to have the relevant print. You have to buy the right prints of the books. In, in Arabic, it's not just about going and buying now Fath al-Bari, go to a shop and just pick up any copy of Fath al-Bari. Useless. These copies are useless. You have to get the right copy of, of Fath al-Bari. The right copy of Sahih al-Bukhari. You can't just go pick up any copy. So they have to be the, the verified copies, the ones that are used. Otherwise, the references are all going to be mixed up. Different publishers, different references, different this, different that. So it's a case of getting the right version. Otherwise, you have to do a lot of research to find where that quote is and where the page is and everything. It'll still be found, but take a lot more work. Anything else? You know, you know the other books you know, that came after, say, Buhari, you know, the people that wrote them, is there any benefit to them? Of course. Because Sahih al-Bukhari, it's just a book full of hadith. If we read those, do we know all the explanations of all those hadith? So scholars have come and they've given you the explanations of all the hadith too. So that you just read the hadith, you don't just read the hadith, you read it and you understand the full meaning of it and the explanation of it. How do you think they get the explanation? It's because they understand the deen so well. They get the, remember we said before, they get the explanation from the understanding they've gained with their chains of narration from the sahaba. Sahaba wrote books or wrote writings in that time. Tabi'een, they had writings in that time. They get this from those understandings of the companions of the Salaf. That's where they get this knowledge from. Not just themselves, what they think. That's where the reality of the knowledge is. That's what makes this different. Ahlul Sunnah to everybody else. Ahlul Sunnah is not just about what you think and write what you think. What they found from the explanations of the Salaf, from the Sahaba. That's what they give you the explanation of. Hmm. I was, I was listening to about I was, uh, at a mosque mm. recently and the Bukhari hadith come up mm. and you can easily read them and uh, translation in English. So is it difficult? I've never opened up the same. No, no, definitely. You, if you just read an expl- uh, an, a translation of a hadith, you will not understand all of the benefits just like that. There are many important points in there, many explanations in there that you wouldn't just understand just like that. If that was the case, then we don't need any scholars, we don't need anything. Just go read the hadith by yourself and understand the whole religion. That's what Allah said in the Quran. Go and ask the people of knowledge if you don't know. Of course, the people of knowledge have a greater understanding. So we do have to go get that knowledge as well. It's not just read it, you'll understand everything. You'll understand a lot, but you need to get that extra knowledge as well. Alright, we'll stop on that then. Carry on next week, inshallah ta'ala, approximately 7, 7.15 p.m.